Over the years, we've had a variety of ways here at Christ Church of managing prayer requests from congregants and passers-by. They come to us from the connection cards in your bulletin or in your pew. They also come from the prayer box in the entryway to the sanctuary. You are likely aware of the fact that our doors are open seven days a week here, and there's a lot of traffic in and out, people coming to meditate, pray, and perhaps light a candle, sometimes to drop a card in the prayer box. It's a pretty common sight for me as I'm walking in to find someone jotting something down and putting it in the box. When we began this practice, maybe probably in 2001, I would guess, we offered an early morning prayer service on Wednesdays when the cards that were in those in that box out there were collected and dispersed among the participants in the prayer and those requests were then prayed by them at one point a writer for a national magazine who had been assigned the topic of prayer showed up at one of these services and spoke with several of the participants. A month or two later, here's how he began his article. With the winter chill of five degrees bearing down outside the church door, Methodists in Manhattan gather in a sanctuary to summon the Almighty on behalf of bruised, hurting humanity. For a week, passers-by have scrolled desperate prayer requests on cards and placed them in the church's prayer box. And now the participants read them aloud, 50 or more of them, hoping to unleash fresh spiritual well-being into the world. Dear God reads one card. I'm getting more and more depressed. Please help me. I pray for my friend Sean, who has been ill and needs God's support, says another card. Other messages look disturbing or illegible. But it doesn't matter. These prayer partners at Christ Church lift up all the requests for God's blessings every Wednesday morning, regardless of weather. We believe our prayer is an important communication, says a member of Christ Church named Matt. And those of you who have been here for a while will know that that was Matt Laycraft, who, by the way, showed up at Christ Church for a completely secular reason. He was doing research on his family lineage and he wanted to look into our archives. He started showing up at church and then he started showing up at that Wednesday prayer. He was in commercial real estate and now he's on the staff of St. James Episcopal Church just up the street. Matt says, we believe our prayer is an important communication. It would be presumptuous to look for a specific outcome, but we hope for God's intervention as God sees fit. Whenever a group of people gather to come before God, it's a holy moment. It deepens your faith that God is there and hears and answers. 
Concluding the article, the author returns to his Christ Church experience and writes, Matt ponders the weekly work of delivering others' written prayers to the King of the Universe. He's been doing it three years, and it has changed him. I'll tell you what, it really did. We might be on Park Avenue, but the whole world passes by here, and you are aware of desperation, he says. Some people are terribly troubled. It's an act of faithfulness on their part just to write a prayer down. The work of this prayer group has large implications, he continues. It's an act of faith to take on prayers for the world and be willing to participate in a solution. I know my view of prayer has changed. It has deepened my prayer life. Before, the area of my prayers was very small. Now it's larger, deeper, and more spontaneous. It's shifted my relationship with God and church to the center of my life. Now, eventually, this service gave way to other methods for praying with the addition of the connection card that I mentioned earlier in your pew or in your bulletin. Now, all of these requests are gathered up by Leslie and Chad, our connections director, and dispersed to the pastoral team and to other prayer partners. And by the way, if you are interested, and I hope some of you are, you might consider making this part of your own spiritual practice, joining that prayer partner team. It's a small thing, I suppose, but it does open the wider world into one's faith experience. It provides clarifying perspective on the people who walk into this space day in and day out. And you know, they have very specific names and they have very specific concerns and joys, just like you and me, just like you and me. You can let Chad know of your interest and he'll get you involved. It is a surprisingly meaningful way of participating in the life of the city. As Matt said, this prayer is an act of faith for certain, a tangible act of faith and it changes you. Why is it an act of faith? Well, you know, because it's directed towards God and because the only reason to do such a seemingly impotent thing is because of faith. And while the ostensible purpose in praying for another is for the sake of the other, the simple fact is that since prayer is an act of faith on the part of the prayer, One's own faith gets a workout, like going to the spiritual gym and running a mile or two. Building up your spiritual muscles. So, our gospel lesson began this way. Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He spoke of a widow pleading her case before a corrupt judge who ultimately relented and offered her justice only because of her persistence. And we might remind ourselves that in first century Palestine, widow was a code word for the most vulnerable and defenseless in society. She had no position, she had no leverage, she had no clout. She had nothing but her dogged perseverance to gain her justice. And Jesus Concluded, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? I suppose we could say we pray because of Jesus' instruction and his own 
modeling of prayer. I mean, he's always praying, isn't he? He's always going off somewhere to pray. It often perplexes the disciples. That's what causes them to, at one time, ask Jesus, teach us to pray. But even then, to do it sincerely is always an act of faith, sometimes if only because of a tiny bit of hopeful yearning in an otherwise desperate situation. Even atheists are known, if they're honest with you, to offer up a prayer in a crisis. What's the old cliché, there are no atheists in a foxhole? Afterwards, they might chide themselves on their knee-jerk childishness, but the instinct for a relationship with a divine ally, with someone who cares about our race in its conflicts and its defeats, persists. C.S. Lewis, the author of The Chronicles of Narnia and many other books, wrote eloquently and honestly about his feeling abandoned and left alone by God after the death of his wife. It's in a small volume called A Grief Observed. It's become a classic. I commend it to you. In the midst of his misery after her death, he asked, Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms of spiritual illness. When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing God, so happy that you are tempted to feel God's claims upon you as an absolute interruption, if you happen to remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to God when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face with a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside, and after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. What can this mean? Why is he so present, a commander in our time of prosperity, and so very absent to help in time of trouble? That's how he expressed his anguish. Yet despite feeling abandoned by the Holy One, somehow Lewis persisted in praying and believing, trusting and relying on God. Eventually he came to be at peace with God and with the loss of his wife not pleased, but at peace. And eventually he could say this about prayer. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all of the time, waking and sleeping. It does not change God. It changes me. St. Augustine, the towering 4th century theologian and philosopher, came to understand that patience is the companion of wisdom. That is a hard lesson, isn't it? 
Patience is the companion of wisdom. Whoever knocks persistently ends by entering. Jesus told a parable about the need to pray always and not to lose heart. For many, many years, cards were dropped in our prayer box each week for a trio named Priscilla, Kyle, and Rainey. We have no idea who these three are. But consider that every week, for well over a decade, these three persons have been on the heart and mind of someone who enters this space to pray, I'm thinking on the way to work perhaps, lifting them before God. Fourteen years of prayer every single week of the year for Priscilla, Kyle, and Rainey. Does this seem an impotent bit of wasted effort? After a while, the prayers become bemused by the relentlessly recurring names, but not so very much more time passes when a very different attitude sets in. An attitude forged by that patient persistence of the earnest sentiment of the one who writes the names on a card week after week after week after week. God bless Priscilla, Kyle, and Rainey. And I think to myself, wow, how lucky are they. Would that someone would pray for me that regularly with that depth of sincerity, of intention. You feel it, don't you? Some cards are written by those who have obvious psychological issues. Some are written by the homeless, those who have no power, no position, no clout in our society, and often no justice like the widow in the story. Friends, their prayers are instructive. I tell you, you cannot pray them and not be changed. It's absolutely impossible. In fact, I find that to pray them, I must change. Some cards are written in languages most can't read, some in the characters of Korean and Chinese, some in Cyrillic, some in Arabic, others not as identifiable. It does not matter. In this small gesture of hospitality, we have, unbeknownst to you perhaps, become a true house of prayer. And we have accumulated 
the universal human longing for connection with that divine ally packaged in highly individualized containers each container with a name each container important each container cherished and I would point out that includes each one of us as well even you So when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth?